Welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. In the modern world, privacy compliance is more about managing your risks. And it's also about data management. And the key risks that we see are the third-party vendor risk, the data breach risk, and the data risk. And how about having a conversation around the emerging landscape in terms of the EU Data Act, the EU Data Governance Act, the Chinese Data Protection Bill, the consequent risks, the approach that an organization can take, and how do you mitigate them? And who better than Noriswadi Ismail, who's the Managing Director at Breakwater Solutions and based in London, and also the Global Data Privacy Practice Head. And he has a lots of experience in the data protection world. So we will have a very enriching conversation. So let's get on with it. So here we go. Welcome, Norris. Good to have you. Thanks very much, uh, Puneet. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. And let me start with a simple question. You provide so much consultancy on privacy matters. And when we talk about privacy matters, we cannot ignore GDPR. When you think of GDPR, what one word comes to your mind? Of course, it's a very, very simple question, but very hard to answer. I would say accountability is very, very important. And that's actually the first impression that I have in mind when it comes to GDPR. Accountability. Yeah. That's one of the principles. So you got it absolutely spot on, because if you don't demonstrate accountability, there's nothing else left in terms of compliance and it starts with accountability. So let's look at some of the recent events and see how can we operationalize those elements. But before that, there has been recently a data act in the EU. What are your views about that? Because on one hand, we have the GDPR. On the other hand, we have the Data Governance Act. And then we have this Data Act. And also we are thinking or we are understanding that there will be the e-privacy regulation. And then the question becomes, how do you segregate? Where do you see? Because there's personal data, there's data, and then there are data transfers and all that. So how do you see this uh, situation evolving in the Europe context? I'm very glad you asked uh, this very important and fundamental question, I put it, uh, partly because of two reasons. When we looked into prior to COVID, the pandemic, uh, lots of global organizations at the time uh, were focusing on operationalizing the GDPR program. And since COVID until even now, where people are working hybridly, most of the organizations realized that, hey, we need to like revisit our program, whether or not it is EU-centric style or the non-EU-centric style, depending upon the global framework. And in between, within these two years, you know, almost two years of the pandemic, the European uh, Commission and as well as the, the, the Parliament has actually uh, come up with a variety of proposals, among others, as you have just said, you know, Data Act, EU Data Governance Act, and as well as other kind of directive, which actually make the DPO or even the CISO or Data Governance Officer ask a very basic question. 
are these new regulation or legislation is holistic enough? On the one hand, there's GDPR principles. On the other hand, there's other elements of the Data Act. And, and there's also the EU Data Governance Act. And when you look into all of these principles and provisions, compare and contrast from the risk perspective, we always actually observe that it's good to actually like really cherry pick like the top three highest risks within this legislation after you have secured, you know, that kind of sign up legal advice or even advice from the legal counsel. So that's actually the first aspect uh, that you need to think about or to consider. And secondly, depending upon the structure, the governance structure of the organization, assuming you are an EU entity and very global in terms of data transfer, or if you are a multinational in the US or in Asia or China or in India or anywhere around the world where you process uh, EU data and there's also impact in terms of the platform like AI, for example, or you share the data and you commercialize the data and you innovate a business model so definitely, we are not talking about Data Governance Act, we're not talking about the Data Act, we're not talking about GDPR, but we're also talking about other laws, like in China, algorithm uh, legislation, regulation, which is more complicated, and other areas that need to, to really intervene amongst each other. So we always go to the governance structure. If let's say your governance structure is centralized or decentralized or hybrid, it's good to actually understand what exactly the top three risks that triggered from this legislation, assuming that you know, the organization has secured a sign of legal advice. And at the same time, whether this high risk is really moving you know, uh, towards the right way to really minimize, because sometimes organizations change their business model Sometimes organizations change their business processing activities, and sometimes organizations might actually be subjected to other you know, unsystematic risks that were affected to the day-to-day -day business operations. So in short, to answer your question, uh, there are three steps. The first is understand whether this mosaic of legislation, directive or regulation, including GDPR and non-GDPR, really align with the business model innovation and strategy. So if the answer is yes, second, whether the risks are consistent in terms of the high-risk processing activities. And the third, how exactly this need, need to be reconciled in terms of getting things done. Because the reality nowadays that we've seen in the market globally, not just in the UK or EU or even in America, is that chief privacy officers, CISO, data governance officers are actually talking the same uh, issue which is data but in a very very different lens and this is where the holistic approach is so important to address this merit of legislation and new uh, regulation that is taking place in the EU. I'm glad you mentioned that you need to take a holistic approach don't start a project for data act data governance act and then of course you would have done that for GDPR maybe GDPR most companies did it but now with new and new legislation coming up you need to have a holistic approach Look at your business strategy, look at, look at your business objectives, where you operate, how you operate. Are you in a federated or a centralized or which kind of localized structure? And then look at the key risks, look at mitigating them through a policy approach and a strategic approach rather than a piecemeal approach per regulation. Otherwise, there will be new regulation coming up even after this. 
But then if you're a multinational at this moment, recently China also passed a data protection bill and India is on its way to pass another one. Of course, we know for the last three years it will come and everybody keeps waiting and every time we have a new date. But with all these legislations coming up, would you suggest taking a wait and watch approach or be proactive, have your strategic infrastructure in place, put the data governance data layer in place and then take up any exceptions that will come along based on these laws on need basis, but put the holistic, the strictest standard already up front. So how should you advise or how would you advise operationalization of these? Because sometimes it's wait and watch and sometimes it's take it head on and be ready for whatever comes along. I really like this uh, important global question, uh, Punit. This is actually something that data-driven uh, sectors have been asking you know the team and as well as understanding right what exactly they need to prioritize reprioritize and then de-risk you know yeah. their data processing activities market by market so let us start with china and india definitely these are actually the two big jurisdictions big market advanced economies and 60 to 70 percent of global organizations have to deal with these two jurisdictions uh, because of the voluminous of the data that they are processing. So uh, on the one hand, when we look into China and India, there is actually similarity in terms of data localization, which impact yeah. the global data transfer mechanism, and as well as the global data uh, transfer between one entity to one another entity, whether or not you know, the multinational is adopting centralized model decentralized model or hybrid model or even in between right yeah so when it comes to data, data localization we have seen organizations where they have started with right understanding the the risk of the localization assuming they are actually processing voluminous of india data set or the chinese data set and assuming the chinese data set or the indian data set is being processed in the uk or slash eu or in the US. Yeah. So that itself is a very, very laborious exercise. The reason is because when we look into data mapping, as you're fully aware and full experience in the space, or record of processing activities, or even the third-party vendor risk assessment from the privacy security perspective, and even with all of the data processes, uh, assuming that this multinational really have actually, you know, deal or are dealing with 20,000 vendors or perhaps, you know, 5,000 vendors, assuming it's SME, but still multinational. So you need to actually identify whether this impact certain localization requirement from their high-risk processing activities, assuming they have identified the high-risk processing activities triggered, you know, from these jurisdictions. Uh, and then second is in terms of infrastructure and the cloud environment, because we have seen where some organizations have started to decentralize data, partly due to the restrictions and certain you know, strict requirements of the local legislation due to the fact that this local le legislation has its own persona, gravitas and assumption, so to speak, because uh, as you know, and everyone who is listening to this podcast is aware that data is getting geopolitical, 
there's also data sovereignty aspect as well. And there's also an element of you know, complexity when it comes to dealing with the infrastructure, not only from the cloud perspective, but also from the security behind it as well. So in short, to answer your question, when it comes to this environment outside the UK, outside the EU, even outside the US, we always actually ask two key questions to organizations that deal with a global data set. Uh, amongst others from China and India, and even from Russia, or even from Turkey, or even from Indonesia, because these jurisdictions also have localization requirements. So it goes back to the infrastructure, uh, uh, IT infrastructure, it goes back to the cloud model, mm -hmm. it goes back to the additional security measure that they have actually imposed in terms of the technical and security measure, whether there is additional encryption, with actually the third-party audit from the IT security perspective, like SOC2, or even ISO 27001, ISO 27701, or any kind of global security kind of control and framework, that will also help to defend their position to minimize potential future risks. And of course, okay, this is still work in progress. And the second that uh, the second step that organization needs to look into is how exactly you know uh, this particular data set, assuming if there is a breach, and how exactly you need to actually address this outside you know the China or outside the you know uh, India or even outside jurisdictions that have localization requirement, which still a work in progress for it. Because as you know, what we have learned from GDPR, even there is a one-stop shop, but you have to deal with different regulators, you know, separately, you know, partly because how they enforce and they investigate a particular breach in, in that scenario. Yeah, I think it makes does make sense. Look at your data sets, consolidate them or say, create clusters of data sets where they are processed, where they are collected, and then based on your, that, choose your processing strategy and then eventually look at the risks and try to mitigate the risks, identify those risks, and then handle it, but do not continue to wait because sitting on the fence and not doing anything is not an option, especially when it comes to data protection. Make a strategy and of course, like your business strategy, this would also evolve, this would also change. And here in the business strategy, your driver is business changing and you changing your business strategy here, the driver is legislation changing. And of course, China, India, and even others keep changing. I mean, we had the UK doing the Brexit and now initially they kept the UK GDPR and the EU GDPR same. And now we are hearing they want to deviate or they want to have their own set of standards. So things will keep evolving in this field as we know. But when you talk to stakeholders or customers and especially global customers, what are the common three or four risks or threats that you are seeing across the globe with your customers because it's one of the hot topics and everything here is risk driven and everyone has its own perception own perspective on risk so what are the three maybe four risks that you see and of course i would eventually like to get into how do we mitigate them because there's no point we talk about risk and don't mitigate it but let's first find out uh, from you what are the three or four key risks that you are observing commonly or in your view commonly of course everyone sees their risk as my own risks sure uh, it's a very good and timely question uh, Puneet, that partly because um the engagement and the observation and in fact consultation that we have had so far prior to COVID and you know even in, in this current stage 
I would actually categorize, you know, uh, the wrist lens or the wrist posture or the wrist driver. The first is on data breach. Mm -hmm. uh, I think partly because during the pandemic, there are lots of uh, ransomware cases. There are mm -hmm. lots of fraudulent cases uh, online and there's a lots of uh, uh, unethical hacking uh, via you know, the system or infrastructure, uh, given the fact that most organizations at the time actually really moved into a virtual environment and they have to like, really beef, beef up the organizational resilience and then a physical infrastructure resilience. So that data breach uh, is actually one of the top three risks uh, in my view and in my observation. And in fact, uh, regulators are also uh, approaching this quite delicately and subjectively, depending upon you know, the nature of the data processing activities and subject to the outcome of the investigation too. So, uh, and then linking to that, linking to the data breach uh, risk scenario, the second would be the third-party vendor risk. So mm -hmm. when I say third-party vendor risk, it means sometimes whenever we actually uh, ask a third party to really disclose the level of compliance in cybersecurity and data privacy or in data governance, on paper, you know, the third-party vendors claim everything is okay. Everything looks good. Tick, 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 right? But yeah. we asked to stress test the and control environment. This is where it's some of the organizations struggle to demonstrate that accountability and transparency, so to speak, you know, because uh, they actually partly make it like a half bake or partly they just want to have a shortcut exercise and process. Uh, and partly there might be challenges in terms of getting the right resource and the right investment, particularly the, the right you know, tool or privacy technology platform, assuming that they are not deploying that kind of technology platform. So when we talk about the third-party vendor risk, it's not just only from the GDPR perspective, uh, Punit, it's also from the perspective of other legislation too, because uh, it depends on the contractual relationship, uh, whether or not data party vendors are joint data processes or sole data processes or joint in you know, a control and processor. And it's very, very complicated. It depends on the contractual arrangement. So that's a second uh, risk that we have seen quite consistent uh, throughout even prior to GDPR enforcement and post enforcement and during the pandemic and in the current state we are facing right now or experiencing right now. The third risk, which is very, very interesting that uh, I have been observing is on this so-called data risk. When we talk about data risk, it's more from the cyber insurance perspective because it also links back to the first point, the data breach. Because we've seen organizations actually bought cyber insurance, but they have not done the appropriate due diligence exercise prior to actually buying the cyber insurance. Partly because, oh, it's a trend. You have to buy cyber insurance and you have to really ensure that the insurance will help you in the event if there's a data breach. Assuming the breach is actually from the third party, maybe the insurance can cover you know, the liability. Right. Of course, it makes sense from the procurement perspective uh, to shape, but to shape the business case, to tell to the stakeholders, to the CEOs, to CISO, or to the general counsel, even to the board, okay, there are relevant steps that you need to quantify in order for you to like really buy the right you know, cyber insurance uh, as part of the quantification process. So we're seeing the third risk is more like the data risk from the holistic perspective that might be triggered from the data breach, that might be triggered from the third party vendors, 
and that might be triggered from uh, corporate exercise, for example, mergers and acquisition, mm -hmm. for example, divestment. If let's say the company actually were divested and they closed the company, what happens to the data? What happens to the infrastructure? And who actually will carry that kind of liability? And these are actually the top three risks in terms of what we are seeing in the market, whether or not in the US or in the UK or EU, or even the uh, emerging markets or the uh, evolution of other jurisdictions in Middle East, North Africa, China, India, Southeast Asia, and also in East uh, Asia as well. Okay, so three risks, the data breach risk, that is the risk from what if my systems are breached, how much of uh, risk I have in terms of financial liability, in terms of operational challenges and everything else. And the third party vendor risk, which is very challenging to quantify, very challenging to manage because we are in the global world and we are dependent on other vendors. We are dependent on partnerships. We are sometimes dependent on delivery of services. I mean, there's no company that works without vendors. Even the solo entrepreneur has a website and that's basically outsourcing of its IT or its uh, uh, shop, let's call it like that. And then third, the data risk because everything is data today. So if we were to say mitigate these risks one by one, so data breach, when we come to it, how do you mitigate it? Because when we talk about breach, there's a breach happening every few seconds. I mean, there are studies saying every three seconds, every four seconds, or every five seconds. So it's not a question of if I will have a data breach. It's a question of when I will have a data breach. It's never, you cannot say we are protected. You have taken action and you have to be ready for the breach. So don't think you will protect yourself. You have to protect yourself against what to do when it happens. So what is your strategy? What is your recommendation in short on the data breach risk that we are talking about? Sure. I think that's an excellent reflection and as well Lance that you've just you know, briefly commented, uh, Punita. The reason why I'm saying that is globally, whether or not the organization is a startup SMEs, multinationals, or even government or public sector, it goes back to the culture. It yeah. goes back to do they understand what data means in a very simple language? Right. Do they understand the data taxonomy in their sector, in their own organization, and also how exactly they actually manage the data or process the data? It doesn't matter whether you're not in a data functioning role, you mm -hmm. know, even you know, the non-data-driven sector needs also to understand that data language, the data taxonomy. So I always start with culture, understanding that kind of culture, understanding the data taxonomy language, and from there cascade it to the wider business. Does the matter, you know, where they are globally or operationally, depending upon the business model, governance structure, you know, and as well as the innovation uh, uh, kind of strategy and even digital strategy too. So when you are able to address this at a cultural level, then it's important to actually simplify and articulate the narratives through scenarios. Uh, what would be the bridge scenarios in your sector or in your world or in your language and in your culture and in your jurisdiction and in your market? Because a GDPR data bridge might not be the same as compared to China. China data bridge scenario might not be the same as compared to, you know, uh, perhaps in the US 
yeah. or the same like other jurisdictions as well, even though some of the requirements are like GDPR as baseline, but there's always variation market by market and telling to, to the key risk champions, to the key data champion, to the key privacy security and data governance champion in the respective markets to come up with a data breach scenario. And this data breach scenario should be stress test through the tabletop exercise and bringing holistic and multidisciplinary team to really get engaged so that whenever the breach happened, they know how to react, they know how to respond, they know how to investigate, and they know how to engage with regulators. And importantly, if brand is the premium strategy in the business, manage the PR exercise to the stakeholders, shareholders, and also to the board. That makes sense. So again, look at it from the culture or the strategy perspective and try to embed the process from a culture standpoint, put it in all layers of the organization, define ownership, define champions, and then test it out, test it out through tabletop, test it out through simulated exercises rather than leaving it to a chance because when it happens, you got to be prepared. But, and I'm glad that you also touched upon the risk of data in this itself, because that's how you manage the data risk as, as well, by establishing ownership, by creating a culture of data management and data governance and assigning privacy champions or data champions along with data owners. But the third party vendor risk, which we talked about uh, a moment ago, that's a huge risk. Everyone is working with vendors and everyone is working with global vendors. The borders are more or less non-existent in the digital world. But when we come to the legislative world, we are creating borders more and more by saying data localization, data residency, and so on. So it, it, it's a different world. I mean, compared to 50 years ago, there were the borders and there were the organizations which are manufacturing divisions and they could not move. And now we are having the products which can move the data which moves but now we want to localize data. That time where they wanted globalization, now they want localization. So it's, it's contradictory, it's a paradox. But in that paradox, there is the third party vendor risk. And with the EU saying, when data travels outside of EU, the GDPR travels along with it. And we all know what happens with the US scenario and with China and India coming up with their own laws. Scenario is only going to be more fascinating, more interesting and more fun for all of us in the consulting world. So how do we manage, how do we mitigate, or how do we handle the third-party vendor risk in this setup, in this scenario? Because there's no adequacy in true sense. You can do always do your risk assessment, uh, transfer risk assessment. You will effectively, normally I tell people saying, we are all in the same boat. If there was, if the proverbial shit was to hit the fan, we will all be in the same boat. We will all have the same challenges. So only way is, demonstrate accountability by documenting, but what is your perspective on that? Sure, I think it's a very, very uh, important uh, question as well, I uh, it. I would respond you know, to the question in twofold. The first is globally, we have seen a mosaic of different approaches when it comes to third-party vendor risk kind of accountability and obligation, depending upon how exactly a particular legislation or jurisdiction 
approach it. We are not just talking about GDPR or CP CCPA, CPRA, or the, the soon you know, India Data Protection Bill and even the PIPL China and other legislation around the world. But sometimes if you look into sector-specific legislation in the financial services particularly, and as well as uh, telecommunication you know, legislation, uh, some of these legislation, even directive or uh, uh, code of practices are slightly stricter when it comes to the third party, you know, vendor uh, risk, you know, lens perspective, uh, partly because these sectors are data driven sector and they deal with, you know, sensitive personal data uh, very much, you know, into uh, processing this on a day to day basis. The reason I articulate this is because uh, we are living in the world where interoperability is not is actually a very challenging you know kind of approach you know to 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 a, as a solution there's no perfect solutioning when it comes to addressing this you know to really ensure that okay we maintain you know uh, the baseline but we need to ensure okay out of 1000 you know third party vendor risk uh, vendors that a particular multinational uh, dealing with which vendors are really, really processing sensitive personal data, voluminous personal data. Okay, you need to actually focus with the shortlisted, like maybe 100, and ensure that, okay, it is maintained and consistently managed. Of course, in turn, the challenge will be on resource, the challenge will be on the right tool, the challenge will be on the right investment, and the challenge will be on the upskilling. And this is actually the typical challenges on the ground where the respective jurisdictions or the team in the market needs to deal and manage with. So uh, there's no, you know, some sort of like, you know, one size fits all kind of solution market by market, but assuming that a particular multinational organization has identified, you know, the top, I would say high risk vendors, mm -hmm. start with that first and create a defensible position when it's a defensible position means, all right, yes, these are the top highest risk, you know, vendors. And then we will have a narrative and story to tell, assuming, you know, assuming the board or the crisis committee or the risk committee or uh, the, you know, audit committee or perhaps the third party auditor might want to ask how exactly a particular organization approach this high risk vendor. So, so that's the first fall. And then the second fall, which is very, very interesting, uh, it is that a while ago I mentioned about interoperability. We have seen uh, some organizations that have actually adopted and combined ISO 27701, which is the Privacy and Security Management Control, and as well as ISO 2701 and NIST framework, which is a very, very, you know, uh, leading framework originated from the US, and as well as the data governance Sedona kind of framework well, originated from US, but uh, some of the organizations that have regionalized and localized this at the global level. Mm -hmm. And they use this as an alternative and additional measure in addition to the typical you know, risk assessment from the privacy lens perspective. Because when you have this additional layer of controls, additional layer of uh, technical measure by way of certification and stress testing these the controls, then that will also demonstrate that kind of defensible position. But the reality right now that we are seeing in the market as you're fully experienced and aware uh, Punit as well with your clients and also with the regulators that you have engaged with and with the stakeholders that you engage with, 
it depends on scenario by scenario. So if I were to be the global CPO or the global CISO or even a CEO or even uh, an investor of a PE firm, I would just ask a very basic question, right? We know that there are too many things that we need to actually uh, mitigate or manage. Tell me the top three highest risks, okay, in terms of the cyber privacy and data governance, okay, in a very, very simple language and why, and how is it okay, we need to really, uh, you know, uh, minimize and how to do it. Because it's important to, to actually make this as part of the C-suite agenda and the board agenda to ensure that, you know, uh, it's actually, you know, uh, keep uh, informed, you know, as part of the risk uh, conversation. Absolutely. I think it's all about creating a defensible position and looking at it from a broader lens than just privacy. And yeah. when I say broader lens, on one hand, you need to look at it beyond privacy. But on the other hand, you need to narrow down your focus, which is that don't try to look at all vendors, but look at high risk vendors and manage the risk there and create a defensible position around what actions you can take and what how you can mitigate the risk. But that leads me to the other part of the conversation, which is basically making choices. So if we had all these three risks, the third party risk, the data breach risk, and the data risk, which one would you choose to mitigate first? And yeah, I mean, as simple as that. Well, that is a very simple question, but very hard for me to answer. <laughs> that, I mean, there's no right or wrong. All things yeah, have to yeah, be done, yeah. let's be clear. Yeah. But what would you choose Agreed. to do yeah, first? Yeah. yeah, because it's always interrelated, you know, as Absolutely. you've said, right? Okay, there's all these dependencies, you know, data risk, uh, cyber uh, data breach, and as well as the third party vendor risk. I would say I would actually start with the data risk. Uh, that will be my, my top priority because uh, everything is about the data and that's actually the core and the fundamental. So assuming that, you know, a multinational organization of a life science uh, where this, this organization really, you know, manufacture um, or perhaps resell, you know, mm -hmm. the, the vaccine to emerging nations, emerging economies, so uh, they share data with some of the leading suppliers or leading uh, vaccine producers. And they also do certain um, research and development, even at the critical trial stage to improve, you know, future, you know, kind of scenarios, assuming that there will be a future pandemic in the next five to 10 years. And of course, they have to anonymize the data. They have to really encrypt the data in that kind of environment. I'm just giving this as yep. an example. So if you ask the key question, okay, what exactly the data risk here, right? So yeah. the data ratio is varied depending upon, you know, the nature or the sensitivity of the data. Of course, it's patient's data, health data, human data, and it's the children's data, depending upon the age, ethnicity, origin, blah, blah, blah. Even uh, the standard objection should be very strict, very high, uh, because yeah. it involves, you know, a living individual and the state of the health uh, given the immune system and as well as how they react uh, on, on COVID, for example. So once you have identified this data risk, then of course, that de-identification and as well as understanding, okay, which okay, risk might be linked to um, the third party vendors, assuming that the third party vendors that are processing this data uh, from the high risk you know, processing activities, or if there is a potential breach, you know, that might happen, whether the breach might be, you know, manual or automated or even indirect, 
uh, via human mistake or human error, uh, even a very simple error or you know school uh, schoolboy's error, then it might also lead to that kind of data breach, you know, kind of scenario. So fundamentally, in my view, uh, I would say that that data risk is a very very important risk that needs you know to be deep dived because that will also potentially link to the remaining two, uh, the top two risks. Uh, that uh, the top two risks I've just mentioned a while ago, Pinit, yeah. I love your response because what you have done is it reminds me of a joke. When I was a kid, there was a saying saying, what would, what if God came to you, what one wish would you choose? And I would generally say, I've written down three, I would say what I've written down. <laughs> <laughs> and you have done exactly the same thing. You answer the data risk, but linked in the third party vendor risk and data breach risk within it. And I love the way you've done it. But let me ask you another question, which is also a choice question, a short reply, uh, meaning if you had a budget of say $100,000 or euros based on wherever or pounds, wherever we are operating, and you were to choose between investing into implementation or operationalization versus buying an insurance to protect yourself, where and how would you allocate your money? Well, I, I like that. I think it's a very, very delicate uh, question as well, because on the one hand, uh, business is moving very fast, right? Business wants to purchase, you know, infrastructure, business wants to purchase, you know, platform, business wants to invest, business wants to acquire, business wants to partner with others. And that's, whenever they do that, there's risk from the data perspective. On the, on the other hand, you know, if let's say a global chief privacy officer or even CISO or data governance officer wants to operationalize, they need to understand, all right, whilst you guys do that, okay, we have to prioritize the current risk first, right? The current risk posture, because we need to prioritize the implementation as part of that, you know, kind of uh, program. Uh, this is where the budget conversation is very, very sensitive <laughs> because on the one hand, the business really want to cover the liability well, from the insurance perspective. On the other hand, the people who are doing the job, the doers really want to prioritize this before they will get new activities by virtue of that particular corporate activities, right? So assuming that is a data-driven organization, I would say that we should divide and conquer the priorities. What I meant by divide and conquer is, right, start with the prioritized implementation, you know, given, you know, what is like the roadmap. If let's say the roadmap is three to six months, uh, make sure it is achievable and workable and you have to make things done. Otherwise, if you don't make things done and there's no tangible outcome from the uh, particular activities, it would also impact, you know, the liability when it comes to, you know, uh, the activities that I've just mentioned a while ago. So what we have seen in reality, uh, Punit, is that most organizations, they start with, with the insurance first <laughs> because they know that, oh, we have to have this insurance first. We, we, we think about operationalization later because uh, we will- can the right way. Yeah, it's not the right way. So strategically, if let's say you have 100K, you can actually, you know, uh, really phase out the budget, right? Based on which component of the insurance that can be linked to that data risk, the highest data risk, yeah. have that conversation first, make it innovative because when it comes to cyber, uh, cyber insurance or, you know, you can actually model it, you know, 
in a hybrid manner, depending upon you know the risk quantification, and at the same time you know have the remaining budget okay to operationalize whatever priorities like remediation or activities that need to do on the ground because it should be in parallel. I would say that's the ideal scenario, but assuming that the organization is startup. You have like only five, you know, or perhaps 10 or maybe 20, you know, uh, staff members, but you are a data processor and you actually process, you know, sensitive personal data like health data, then you need to really focus your operationalization first and then keep on stress testing the environment. And once you have that as a BAU, then you have to think about, right, the insurance aspect you know, as part of the you know, operationalization activities and strategy when it comes to budgeting uh, and investment. Perfect. And now, if based on this conversation, somebody were to ask you, can you explain to us what exactly do you do? Because you've been so methodological and it's obvious that you are a consultant. But in short, what is your company all about and what do you do in very, very uh, sh short manner? Or sure. So Breakwater Solutions, we are a global data risk management solutions firm where we provide consulting uh, to global organizations, cross-sector, data-driven sector, and non-data-driven sectors when it comes to cybersecurity, global data privacy, investigation, data analytics and strategy, and as well, anything that deals with legal technology automation. Anything that deals with data, we provide that kind of holistic data risk management solutions uh, and we help organizations to really improve their current programs and also to facilitate you know, the budget and shipping conversation and even uh, being a thought leader you know, in this space as well. So we are also you know, uh, uh, having suite of products you know, that can also facilitate you know, some of the clients' you know, conversation as well. And uh, we are very technology neutral. We don't actually like really highly encourage you know, our uh, clients, organizations, stakeholders to like, oh, buy our products first, consulting later. No, we really want to listen. We really want to understand you know, the maturity of the client organization. And we provide you know, the necessary consultative approach based on the risk priorities and help to remediate that by way of implementation and optionalization. And like myself, I'm the global data privacy consulting practice leader in Breakwater. I'm based in London, and I'm also the member of uh, the IAPP European Advisory Board member for 2022 and 2023. And prior to that, I was a, a an interim DPO for Ernst & Young UK and Ireland prior to the GDPR implementation because there were too many questions and answers at the time, as you, you, you fully were at the time. And uh, I led uh, the GDPR consultative practice in EY UK and Ireland. And uh, prior to that, I was in-house in and uh, I've been in consulting for the past uh, 20 years now. That's good to know more about you, Norris. And if someone was to contact you, what's the best possible way? Sure. Feel free to uh, reach out to me via email, uh, norriswadi.ismail at breakwatersolutions.com. Uh, feel free to connect me via LinkedIn, norriswadiismail, N-O-R-I-S-W-A-D-I-I-S-M-E-I-L on LinkedIn. Yeah. Perfect. And now, just to wrap things up, because it's been a fascinating conversation, what would be one piece of advice you would give to somebody looking to strengthen their privacy or uh, risk exposure, privacy strategy or risk exposure? Yeah. 
prioritize the highest risk and take this as part of the remediation one step at a time because there are too many things that you will actually face an experience when it comes to cybersecurity, data privacy, data governance, because these are all dependencies and overlapping. So in short, prioritize the current highest risk, operationalize it and improve it. And of course, you know, it's good to actually, you know, share um, experience amongst your peers, amongst your network and also cross sectors as well. And keep on engaging with regulators, keep on engaging with uh, professionals that can really be the sounding board in order for you to ensure that you're on the right track. Thank you so much, Norris. It was wonderful to have this fascinating conversation. And my takeaway is look at privacy beyond privacy from a data perspective, prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. And the last bit which you added is, while you have the in-house people, while you have the consultant, while you have everybody, keep on looking for fresh perspective and keep on asking for fresh eyes, fresh perspectives, so that you can enrich your uh, operations and more importantly, look at risk from different perspectives. With that, I would say thank you so much, Norris, for your time. It was wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much, Mane, for having me here. Thank you. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit the number four, privacy.com. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Until next time, goodbye. If you have questions or suggestions, feel free to drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. That's hello at fit the number 4 privacy.com